0: Hey there! Before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. The author of Hebrews begins to outline what we know as the Hall of Fame of Faith. And he begins to talk about these heroes of the faith. And when you look at these heroes of the faith, look, what it's, look how it starts in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bible, open up to Hebrews chapter 11. And it says, what is faith? It is the confidence, the assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us. Even though we cannot see it up ahead. Now watch this, verse 2. Men of God in the days of old were famous for their faith. I love that because he then begins to speak about people like Abel and people like Enoch. He begins to speak about people like Abraham and Moses and Sarah. And he begins to show how they are a great example of faith. They were famous, watch this, for their faith. And oftentimes when we look at the highlights of these heroes, because they are portrayed as heroes and because the end of their story ends up being as as perfect examples of faith, oftentimes we can then begin to think that these men were flawless. And we begin to look at them and think that they are unordinary people. We begin to look at them and we begin to think that they possess some type of human, superhuman attribute, attribute, but in fact the opposite is true. These weren't people that served God perfectly. These weren't people who obeyed God perfectly. These weren't people who didn't make mistakes. Often they turned away from God, and often they rebelled, and often they doubted, and often they second-guessed who they were, and often they thought that they couldn't be used by God. These were imperfect people, but they were willing. And God still used them for his glory. And then this is in verse 32. If you don't pay close attention, you'll miss it. Because in verse 32, after speaking about Abel and after speaking about Moses and Abraham, look what he says. Well, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith, of the faith of Gideon. Did you catch that? Gideon is known as a hero of faith. And he says, the stories of the faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the other prophets. These people all trusted God as a result, won battles, overthrew kingdoms, ruled their people well, and received what God had promised them. And as we talk about Gideon today, I want to give you just, I really believe that God wants to deal with the Gideon in all of us. That God wants to deal with the Gideon in you. And when you look at the life of Gideon, if, if you look at the life of Gideon, it's found in Judges chapter 6. And at this point, let me give you just a quick background. Gideon is called by God, but he's in the context of an Israel, uh, the Israelites. They were under now the, the tyranny of the Midianites. And, and at this point, these Israelites, they are living in fear. And the Israelites, they are hiding in caves. They are hiding in valleys. They are hiding sometimes in mountains. And for seven years, the Midianites were harassing the people of Israel. They were terrorizing the people of Israel. Uh, If you read the chapter, it will tell you that they were reduced down to poverty. And then God calls this man Gideon, and he uses Gideon, watch this, A person who is ordinary, a person who doesn't have this uh, extraordinary power, or in matter of fact, he is living in fear, he is hiding in a wine press, come on, and God calls him and uses this same man to bring victory to the people of Israel from the tyranny of the Midianites. God used Gideon, who is by no way, shape, or form qualified in any way to bring victory to Israel. But God used a person, not who was perfect, not who didn't have any flaws, not who didn't have insecurities. He used a man who simply with his doubt, with his second guessing, said, Okay, Lord, be it as you may. And he was used by God to bring glory to him. I wonder if there's anybody here. Who wants to be used by God in 2021? Come on. I don't know how long you've been serving the Lord. But is there anybody here that's saying, listen, listen, I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of second guessing. It's time for me to be like, here I am, Lord. Use me as, is there anybody here who wants to be used by God? Woo! Sorry, I'm a little excited. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, do what you do best. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise in this house. Um, uh, does anybody ever get frustrated here? And if and Those that didn't respond, you're not the frustrators, you are the liars. They are th- they, listen, if there's anything that frustrates me, is things that don't make sense. Like, I'm one of those guys that, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that I have to understand stuff. I, I have to understand. I have to look at something. I have to analyze it. And it has to, guess what? Make sense to me. I'm going to be honest. And I'm, this is why we suffered the first five years of my marriage with Lisa. She's not even the topic of my discussion today. I gave her the day off. But I just want to let it... Let it out here. Lisa is an anom- anomaly, and she doesn't make sense to me because I'm the kind of guy that I need eight hours of sleep. And what frustrates is, me- is people that don't need a lot of sleep to function. I-, I need eight hours of sleep. Lisa needs eight minutes of sleep, okay? This is how Lisa goes to work. All right, baby, I'm going to bed. All right, baby, I'm going to work. That's how she frustrates me she's the anomaly like I eat I get I look at food I get fat Lisa eats everything and doesn't get it frustrates me because it doesn't make sense and I thought about this for a while just and just switching off to another subject I thought about this for a while and I've been planning on this I'm telling you right now I've been building this case against the language of English I'm gonna tell you right now English doesn't make sense no, no, I'm, I'm serious. El lenguaje de inglés, oye, para allá, eso no, nada. Okay? Like, English doesn't make sense. And I thought this about for a while. Like, the terms we use in English doesn't, don't make sense. Like, you ever wondered why is it that we drive in parkways, but we park in driveways? You ever wondered why is it that when we transport something in a car, we call it a shipment, but when we transport something in a ship, we call it a cargo? Like, it doesn't make sense. I won't be, I'm helping you out right now. It doesn't make sense. And I thought about this in the English language because it's not consistent. It is not consistent. The English language doesn't function in a way that makes sense. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't make sense. I thought about the O-U-G-H sound. Have you ever thought about the O-U-G-H sound? Like, if you put a T-H in front of the O-U-G-H sound, you get though. But when you put an R between those two, you don't get throw, you get through. Oh, forget it. Just switch the letter. Put a D. It's not do. I mean, it's not do. We're back to though, though. But this is what happens. All of a sudden, you put a C-H on a C-H on it. Do you get co? Or you get no. Do you get coo? No, you get cuff. Now that all of a sudden, the G-H wants to act up. It was silent all this time. Now the G-H want to act up and be like... Yo, the English language does not make sense. And then you get cough, but you switch a T. Do you get tough? No, you get tough. <laughs> like the English language, like the words don't make sense. Speaking of the F sound, do you know that there's a letter that perfectly fits the F sound? And all of a sudden, the G doesn't want to sound like a G, and the H doesn't want to sound like an H. It wants to sound like a fuck. But that's not enough because the English language now doesn't just have one letter that sounds like pho. It doesn't have two letters that sound like pho. It has two more letters, the P and the H, that make pho. Like an alphabet. You just messed me up. You just taught me the alphabet and you told me that F is pho, P is puh, H is ha. But when you put them together in the alphabet is alphabet. Mike? Phone, come on, somebody! This doesn't make sense. And forget about the B. The, the B. The, 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 we have a language that we have silent letters. The B is silent in climb, tomb, and comb. I don't understand why I even put it there. That's why now, now the English language. When Ruben corrects me on my spelling, I say, "No, they're there. They're just invisible." You ain't never going to mess up on a word again. Listen, if there's letters that can be there and make no sound, they're just there. But I'm telling you right now, there's letters that are there that you can't see. them. we forever, forever, forever going to be able to spell every word right. It doesn't make sense. The way the English language works and functions doesn't make sense to me, Walter. It doesn't make sense to me. Stop looking at Walter, everybody. It's just a nice guy it doesn't make sense and and no matter how many times you try to explain it to me it won't make sense to me but i've accepted it as it is and that's kind of like where the place i'm at with god that the way god functions like the english english language doesn't make sense but i have accepted that god is god and even though he doesn't make sense I've learned how to trust them. But let me tell you, it's frustrating the way God functions. It doesn't make sense. This is why it's no surprise to me there's, there's uh, verses in the Bible that say things like... That, that, that our thoughts are not his thoughts, our ways are not his ways. As far as the heavens from the earth, so is our thoughts compared to his. God does not make sense primarily because God chooses to use people who are unqualified to do what he's called them to do, but he will continue to use them. He uses people who have failures. He uses people who have mistakes. He uses people who are unqualified. He uses people who have a past. He uses people who are imperfect. And he says, listen, come and follow me and you're going to do the impossible with it. Listen, if you ever doubted your calling and if you ever thought that God couldn't use you, I want to let you. We serve a he doesn't make sense kind of God. And I know in the ordinary it might feel like it doesn't make sense for you to be used to do. Listen, it doesn't make sense that God is using me right now to pastor this church it doesn't make sense that God will use failures and mistakes to 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 lead people to Jesus but that's who God is he's a God that doesn't make sense and listen to me you know why I know he can use you because it didn't make sense that he would use Jacob who was a cheater to be the father of the 12 tribes of Israel it doesn't make sense that God would use David who was an adulterer to be the king of Israel it doesn't make sense that God would use Noah who got drunk to repopulate the world it doesn't make sense that God would use somebody like Moses who was a stutterer to tell Pharaoh to let my people go it doesn't make sense that God will use somebody like Jonah who would run away from his calling to go save a whole city it doesn't make sense that God would use Abraham because he's too old he would use Thomas when he's a doubter he will use Paul when he's a murderer he will use Martha who's a warrior it doesn't make sense but let me tell you something it means that if God can use them then he can use to you too is there anybody here that believes that It doesn't make sense that God would use the kind of people that he chooses to. It don't make sense that God would use Gideon. When we arrive in this passage of scripture speaking about a character named Gideon, we look at his life and it doesn't make sense that God would use what seems like one of the most cowardice human beings. One of the most cowardice men to lead soldiers into battle, to have a victory. It doesn't make sense that God would use them, but now we know that the problem isn't God because God will continuous, continuously use people that don't make sense. But the question is, is not no longer is God confused about using you. The question is, are we, are we going to allow obstacles to get in front of us? I love what Pastor Lisa said last week. She said... She said that the woman with the alabaster box didn't let anything get in front of her from encountering Jesus and experiencing all he had for her. I love what she said, that, that it's not God who's confused. It's, it's we allow things to get in the way. And I'm tell you right now, when we look at the life of Gideon, we look at a few things that he's allowed to get in the way. And I want to give them to you right now as we, as we go in, into this message. Here are the three things that we often allow to get in the way of what God has called us to do. It's the lies. Everybody shout lies. lies. It's the labels. Everybody shout labels. labels. And it's the limitations. Lies. lies. Labels. labels. Limitations. limitations. Come on one more time. Lies. lies. Labels. labels. Limitations. limitations. And let me, give, let me unpack the first point here. The first one is the lies. And if you're not careful, the lies, they'll preach to you. And the lies say this. They give you one message. The lies say, I'm not enough. The lies will continuously tell you, I am not enough. I want to give you what happened with Gideon. Gideon is called by God, and he says, God tells him, listen, I'm calling you to lead my people into victory. He tells Gideon, hey, Gideon. I've heard the cry of the people of Israel. And now I'm going to use you to lead my people into victory. And I want you to pay close attention to to Gideon's response. In Judges chapter 6, verse 14, look what it says. It says, then the Lord turned to him. Go with the strength you have. Rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied... And I don't know, Gideon sounds real weak to me, you know what I'm saying? He sounds a little like Spongebob, you know what I mean? God always sounds like DMX to me, God rest his soul. God, he's just, a, you know what I mean? Then the Lord turned to him, go with the strength that I have and rescue Israel. I worked on that for a while, guys. I mean, I'm just, that was good? All right. But the Lord, Gideon replied, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I? Rescue Israel. Watch this, watch this. My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I, I'm the least. I'm the least of my entire family. What does Gideon respond? Gideon responds with his inadequacy. See, this is a picture of the entire Bible. That every time God calls people, for whatever reason, God's people want to pie face God with their inadequacy and let him know listen you must be confused about who you are talking to because what you are calling me to do I'm not enough to do I'm inadequate I'm deficient I can't do that but you're in good company because Moses said that he couldn't talk but God used him Jeremiah said that he was too young but God used him and our knee jerk reaction our human reaction is to tell God God I'm sorry but I'm inadequate I'm deficient I can't I am not. Have you ever spent time trying to convince God that He has the wrong one? Have you ever tried to convince God and persuade Him that we are in fact not enough? Hey, hey, sorry, God. I'm. I know that I know you're calling me to accomplish this, God, but I'm sorry. I can't, can't. God. Um, maybe if I would just tell God enough of what I cannot do, he will change his mind about what he wants me to do. See, maybe if I would just have a conversation with God and let him know, God, I can't. God, you don't, (laughs) you don't, you must not know me, God. I'm a stutterer. You must not know me, God. I have a temper. You must not know me, God. I'm a little insecure. You must not know me, God. Maybe Pastoro, maybe Lisa, maybe Marcos, maybe Nick doing sound and playing bass at the same time in the back. If y'all heard the bass, that was Nick. Maybe them, but not me, God. I am not enough. And let me tell you, we all have a lie that plays in our minds that says I am not enough. What is your lie? What is the I am not enough lie that you keep telling and rehearsing in your mind? What is, what is your I am not enough that God has called you over and over and over again and you just simply pie facing God? No, God, no, God, no, God, no, God, I am not enough. God, you got the wrong person. God, I am not smart enough. I am not disciplined enough. I'm not educated enough. Oh, no, God, I'm not social enough. God, I'm not graced with, with eloquent speech enough. God, I'm not patient enough. I'm not kind enough. I'm not confident enough. I'm not brave enough. I'm not like Pastor Rowe, good-looking enough. You know, I, I had to throw that in there. At least one time per service, I have to. I'm a three on the Enneagram, just in case I'm letting you know that's my excuse. God, I'm not enough. But I love God's response to to his inadequacy, to the confession of his inadequacy. Look look how God responds. Isn't he amazing? He says, the Lord said to him, He he says, God, I'm too weak. God, I'm the least of my family. God, I'm the weakest in my clan. My clan cannot hang. If you played five on five right now, we, it'd be like you would, we were playing with toddlers. God, you cannot use us. God's response to his inadequacy is, the Lord said to him, I will be with you. I will be with you. You're inadequate. I will be with you. And watch this, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one person. See God's response is I will be with you. God's response over and over to you this afternoon is God's response to your inadequacy will always be His presence. God's response to your inadequacy is not your potential and is not your preparation. God's response to your inadequacy is always His presence, and that's why He says He says I will be with you, and then you will go. And oftentimes we're wondering why we can't be used by God. It's not on His end. Is that God is saying I. I will be with you and then you will go. I will be with you and then you will go and have a career. I will be with you and then you will go and be prosperous. I will be with you and then you will go and be in that relationship. But too many of us are going. No, I will be with you. It's not in your preparation. It's not even in your potential. I wish God would have responded with his potential. No, you are not inadequate. You are amazing. I love the Gen Z. They all think they're amazing. I love y'all. You got my heart, y'all. Y'all got my heart. You guys are amazing, kind of. But no, no, he says, I'll be with you. He goes, the problem with your inadequacy or the confession of your inadequacy is that your eyes are too focused on your weakness instead of looking at whose you are. It's my presence. Can I tell you something about this church? This is not going to be a church that is always about preparation or potential. This is going to be the kind of church that is always about God's presence let me tell you I'm not going to go anywhere forward that's why I love when people look at this church sometimes and at the surface it looks like it looks like this is the kind of church well they, you know they, they're like a hipster kind of church they're, they're kind of shallow in the deep and they're not in the deep waters and and they're just kind of shallow and they're like you know really, really cool and they got the little lights and and I'm like nah I'm about God's presence right. listen listen to me listen these are methods These are methods, these are potentials, these are preparation. But none of that makes or breaks this church. This community will never be about methods. We might use methods, we might adapt, we might adjust, we might evolve. But if there's one thing that will always be the foundation of this church, it is that we are Christ uncensored. Christ will always be uncensored in this house. He will always do as he pleases in this house. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in this It's about his presence and this is what He tells, he tells Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, What's more, I am with you and I will protect you. He tells Moses in Exodus chapter 3, God answered, and I will be with you. He tells Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, he says, For I will be with you as I as I was with Moses, and I will not fail you, and I will not abandon you. He tells Jeremiah, and don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you. He tells the disciples who he walked with for three years. He says, And be sure of of this, I am with you until the end of the age. God answers your inadequacy with his presence. It's no longer about how inadequate you think you are. The only question that needs to be answered is, is God with you? And if God is with you, then you have everything that you need. Somebody give God a shout of praise in this place. I want to step out here for a moment for those that are watching online. I know I'm speaking to someone, whether you're watching this live or you're watching it on demand sometime during your week. There's somebody in a coffee shop right now listening to this. And the Holy Spirit wants to remind you today that he is with you. And it's not about your inadequacy. It's not about the preparation to supplement your inadequacy. It is not about the potential that you think that you need to live up to. All you need to do is embrace the God that is already with you. See, the lies, they say I am not enough, but the labels, someone shout labels. The labels say, this is who I am. You see, if you believe the lie long enough, what you will have is a label. And, 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 and I want to illustrate this real quick because this is what the Lord gave me. That oftentimes... See, your label is connected to what you gravitate the most to. And that's why when someone, see that the the place that the enemy attacks you the most, listen to me, listen to me clearly, that place that the enemy attacks you the most is in your identity. If the enemy can 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 cause you to think that you're something that you're not, then you will live and have a self Fulfilling prophecy based upon who you think you are but you were never intended to be. And so that's why the enemy is always trying to attack your identity. That's where he lives. He's trying to attack your identity. So what does he do? He creates scenarios in which you will be labeled and grasp onto something that you'll say, well, this is who I am. This is who I am. But over and over and over, you'll see in the Bible, it'll say it over 300 times. This is this, this term that's over in the Bible in the New Testament. It says, we are in Christ. You know what my label is? Is that I am in Christ. The word Christian appears three times in the New Testament. But made in Christ, in Christ, with Christ appears over and over and over in the New Testament. Because it's Paul trying to use every effort to communicate to people that you don't no, no longer have to live under a false identity. What you need to, or a mistaken identity, what you need to do is be reminded that you are in Christ. That is who you are. Let me tell you, before I'm a six-foot-one, 260-pounder sexy, I am in Christ. Before, listen to me, before I am a Hispanic, I am in Christ. Before I am a husband, I am in Christ. Before I am a father, I am in Christ. This is, and this is what happens. Uh, Darren, uh, I need this label maker. See, this is, is a label maker. And the label maker can you print me out because um, this is what we do. the label maker is used to label things, and when you print it, you could stamp it on something. And, and this is what often happens. watch this. God, I'm cold. but I'm addicted. I'm addicted. God, I'm addicted. You, I know you want to use me, but you don't know what I do late at night. God, I know I'm called. I hear Pastor O talk about it. I heard it about it all this way, this week, but now I'm addicted, God. And then we 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 show God not who He intended for us to be, but what life has conformed us to be. God. God, I know I'm cold, but I'm divorced. You can't use me, God, I'm divorced. You, who's going to listen to somebody that doesn't know how to do relationships? Who's going to listen? God, you can't use me, I'm, I have a label. And that's what labels do. They take time, but once they get stuck... you believe the lie long enough. You believe the lie long enough it becomes a label. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm 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 you can't use me, I'm insecure. God, I know I'm cold, but I'm also insecure. That's just who I am. I'm an insecure person. This is just how I've been. I've been like that since the last time something happened to me and something traumatic, an experience I had maybe in my childhood or maybe in a relationship, but this is who I am. I'm addicted. I'm insecure. I'm divorced. God, look, you can't use me. Or how about personality? God, how could you use me? I'm I'm an introvert. I'm kind of shy. There's no way you're going to use me, God. And we begin... To live our life behind the labels that life has placed on us. God, how could you use me? I've been abused. Look, look at the labels, God. And we begin to live our life behind these labels. How can you use me when I'm too sensitive? How can you use me when I've gone through what I've gone through? And we begin to embrace the labels that life has placed on us. God, there is no way you can use someone. There's no way that you can use someone who's addicted, who's divorced, who's an introvert, who's insecure, who's sensitive, who's bad-tempered, who's abused. There's just no way. So we begin to allow life to place labels on us. And then we begin to live a destiny that was never meant to be for us. In Judges chapter 6, I love the way God responds to Gideon I'll stay right here one, one more see the problem is also that sometimes we get so many labels that we have an identity crisis because we don't know what to be anymore and God comes watch this look what, look what God does he comes up To Gideon, watch this, watch this. And now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Terebrith tree, which was in Ophrah, and which belongs to Johash. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide, watch this, in order to what? In order to what? In order to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The man is hiding. That was for friend. The man is hiding. He's hiding. And God says, Hey! Hey, mighty man of valor. Hey, you mighty man of valor. Wait, what do you mean, God? He no, because God is never gonna call you what life shaped you to be. He's always gonna call you what He has intended you to be from the beginning. See, see, see here, here, here's what's happening, here's what's happening. Watch this. Woo! See, see, people come and go in your life, and they don't know who you are, but you don't know who you are, so you don't know what to accept or not accept. Watch this. And so what happens is that we look at somebody enters your life, they don't know who you are. And so because they don't know who you are, man, this looks nice. I wonder what this is. This must be a chair. Can I get a chair? Can I get a label, please? Label maker? A chair. You must be, oh man, you must be a good chair. <laughs> and this is what life does you're a chair. And because you don't know who you are, you start letting people sit on you, wow. and you start thinking you need to butt kiss. I worked on that too, that was a good one, that was. <laughs> Should I continue with the metaphor, or hold it back, I'll hold it back. No, no, I'm gonna just let it go. And what happens is, is that you start living a life that you were never meant to be, thinking that you were a chair, thinking that that's your identity, Thinking that that's who you think you are. Well, this is how I am. This is how they told me I was supposed to be. I am this kind of person. This is how I have to act. This is how I have to react. This is how. This is what triggers me. This is what God is saying. That's not who I have intended you to be. And God steps into the picture. And God all. God saves you and He rescues you and He says, "Hold on a second. You 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 you're somewhere in a wine press hiding from the Midianites when you were always meant to be a man of valor of man of valor. He says, hey, I know you think you're a chair, but you are actually a speaker. And he begins to look at him and he says, hey, you're a mighty man of valor because God calls you by your intention and never by what life has called you to be. And so he says, stop living by the labels. You are not a chair. You're a speaker. Listen, you might have gone through trauma, but you are not your trauma. You might have gone through abuse but you are not your abuse you might have made a mistake but you are not a mistake you might have gone through failure but you are not a failure God says it's time to to stop living from the labels and behind the labels it's time to stop pretending to be something that someone else said that you were when you were never meant to. And God, God bless our parents, but oftentimes these very labels come from those that were meant to direct us to become like the image of God. These labels that we embrace, they were meant they they come from I remember I never forget I never forget the day that my father he looked at me through a window and he said tu eres un estúpido He said you are stupid You know for the rest of my life I lived a life making an inner vow that there will be no one that would see me as stupid or call me stupid And anytime I like people would joke around Stop playing so stupid I'd be like excuse me Hey can you come over here I want to talk to you Hey, do me a favor. Don't ever call me that again. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Why? Because a label was placed on me and the inner vow was made. And oftentimes it could have a, a reaction that you make a vow against it or you are a, a self-fulfilling prophecy of it. And so the drunk guy that, that has the, the father who is drunk and his son says, I'll never be like my father. Then you live that self-fulfilling prophecy and become just like your father. I'm done with the labels. Can I tell you today, before you are anything, do you know why we have so much chaos in this country right now? It's because of what people identify with the most. You are not a Republican. I'm saying right now, listen, I don't care. If you leave this church because of this, I stand convicted by the Holy Spirit of God that we will never be the kind of church that associates with certain political persuasions. Our kingdom is not of this world. Our kingdom remains in the heavenlies. And so listen, you are not a Republican. You are not a Democrat. Those things might help explain some of your affiliations, but that is not who you are. You are in Christ. You are blessed. You are anointed. You are chosen. You are the head and not the tail. You are a child of God. Is there anybody in this place that believes that with Oh, they all shouted, I am a child of God. Don't let the lies get become your obstacle, don't let the labels become your obstacle from what God wants to do in your life. Today, God calls you a child of God, He calls you a mighty man or a woman of valor. He says, You are what I've intended you to be, not what life has told you to be. I always wondered, why, where did he get this from, that I am the weakest in my family? I always wondered that, you know? Why would he say, God, I'm the weakest in my family? I wonder if someone told him that. Hey, you know you're the weakest. You know you're the runt of the litter. You know you're, you know, even this, even this, even this, like, I'm, 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 I'm naturally, I love humor. But even this, like just certain labels, just certain labels, like, oh, you know, he's the funny one. My mother told me, oh, and I, God bless my mother, but one of the things that my mother um, always tried to stop happening, happening in our life was they would look at my brother and I, and they were like, yeah, your brother, you know, your brother, he's the bad one. You're the good one. Label. And you think that that's a good label that someone says, hey, you're the good one. No, then I had to feel like I had to live perfectly before people. And then I started doing things on the sneak tip. Why? Because I had a label that said I had to be the good one. Listen, it's okay to abandon the labels that life has placed you, whether good or bad. You have one label, and that's that you've been made in Christ Jesus. As the worship team comes up, I want to finish with the last point. Thank you so much, Dyron. The limitations, and the limitations say you don't possess the resources. Now, now this is an interesting one because, see, the lies, the lies, listen to me. The lies are just that. They're lies. But the limitations, they're true. I want you to write, write that down. The lies are just that. They're lies. But the limitations oftentimes are true. And the limitation says you don't possess the resources. And oftentimes, this is a truth. This is a reality. The truth might be you don't have enough funds. The truth might be you don't have enough income. The truth might be you don't have enough people. The truth might be that the enemy is too big. The truth might be that the land is too large, that the expense is too much, that the task is too much. That might be the truth. Hey, there's no lying and saying that there was a boy with five loaves and two fish. He didn't have enough resources. When we talk about Andrew, guess what? Andrew, in the Bible, he said it right. He says, there's no way we're gonna be able to feed this amount of people with five loaves and two fish. Guess what? That's true. You might be before your limitations right now and be like, I don't have enough. See, the lie says I'm not enough. But the limitation says I don't possess the resources that it takes for me to do what you've called me to do, God. I often look at God and be like, God, how are are we supposed to do what we're called to do when we don't even have a building? For the last seven, almost eight years, we've been going from place to place to place like the people of Israel, just going from place to place. I'm like, God, you are cute, aren't you? You don't make sense. See, the resources are not enough, could be a truth for you. And it was for Gideon. Because the Bible says that the Midianites outnumbered the Israelites from four to to one. And they had 32,000, listen to me, 32,000 people. Imagine that you're going to buy a house and what you have is $32,000. And what you need is $50,000 to buy the house. And God says, no, you have too much to buy the house. You saved up too much. And I'm like, God, I need 50. That's like God saying you have too much food in the middle of a famine. They were outnumbered four to one. Because they made alliances. Many theologians believe this because they made alliances with other people who are against Israel. And they had 32,000 people. And you know what God does? God doesn't say, hey, I'm going to add so that you could be equal. God doesn't say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to train your men to be like these elite fighters, and they're going to be ninjas, they're going to be war. No, he doesn't say that. He says, hey, I need you to ask who wants to fight and who doesn't. And the Bible says that 22,000 people go home. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one of those guys that go home because I'm afraid to do what God has called me to do. And God says that The Bible says that he had 10,000 people left. Now watch this. Let me read it to you. It says, early in the morning, Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. Watch this. Then the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver you, Midian, into your hands. Or Israel, watch this. Will boast against me. Watch this. My own strength has saved me. He says, You know why? You know you have too much? When God is decreasing stuff. This is what I learned. When God begins to decrease things in my life, it's not because He wants me down and out is because I've arrived at a place that I think I've gotten there outside of him. I got here with my preparation, with my skills, with my education, and God is saying, listen, I'm trying to save you from that place, and so I'm going to bring a decrease, but it's to bless you. And the Bible says they reduced those 10,000 men to 300 men from 32,000. Imagine you show up at the closing, hey, I got 300 bucks. What is God doing? God is saying, hey, it was never, it was never about your calling anyway. It was always about my plan. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know you wanted to get the victory and be like, I know you wanted to get the victory and be like, you saw what we did, you By the way, I wiped my teeth. That's why I'm talking like this. You, say, you saw what we did? You saw that? If I'm blinding you, I'm sorry. He says, no, no, no. The reason that the decrease was there is so that you can give me the most glory. This is why it's five loaves and two fish. This is why Samson defeated a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. This is why God doesn't need a lot to do a lot because he wants you just to simply trust in him. You don't need to have a lot. You simply need to have a good quality of faith in the Christ and in the God that we serve. So what is your limitation here today? Because God says, hey, it's not about your limitation anymore because I can decrease even what you have and still get victory in your life. Oh, by the way, do you know why Gideon was called by God? Do you know why? Just read verse 1, 2, and 3. The Bible says that Israel began to repent and turn to God and ask them for a deliverer. Ask him for a deliverer. It said they began to cry out, God, we're sorry. God, we repent. God, we need a deliverer. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. Can I tell you that your calling is an answered prayer to someone that's crying out to turn to God? I remember at 17 years old, I was a young kid. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up with me. You guys look better when you are stand. I was 17 years old when God called me. And I don't know, I just shared this story with my young kids this week. And this is what the Lord told me. He said, there are people that, don't, that won't hear my voice because it's not coming out of your mouth. That was it. 17 years old. That did it for me. That was my burning bush moment. And I'm not talking about that one. That was my burning bush moment. That was like, God, I see you clearly now. That was the moment that I knew that I had to follow God for the rest of my days. He said, there are people that won't hear my message because it's not coming out of your mouth. I want to tell you right now, you fulfilling your calling is an answered prayer to someone who needs Jesus. You walking in your purpose is an answered prayer to someone who needs God. You walking in your destiny is an answered prayer to someone that is in bondage and needs to be set free. You answering your calling is the answer to someone's prayer that needs healing in their heart right now. You answering your calling is the answer to someone's prayer that needs to be delivered right now. God is wondering in this place... Is there anybody willing to say, God, I'm not perfect. God, I have failed. God, I have a history. God, people know me from here and there. God, my reputation sucks. But God, I am here before you. Use me. Listen, there's pastors in this place there's ministers in this place and God is saying, listen to me, stop letting the lies get in. Let 2021 be the year that you stop letting the lies get in the way. That you stop letting the limitations get in the way. That you stop letting the labels hold you down. Let 2021 be the day, be the year that you begin to walk like a man of valor. That you begin to strip off the labels and place the label of Jesus Christ on your life. That if God is with you, it doesn't matter what my inadequacy is. It doesn't matter what my background is what matters is that God is with me and if God is for me then who can be against it somebody give God a shout of praise come on worship him in this house worship him in this house begin to elevate your worship begin to sing to him begin to glorify him I want you to ask yourself these questions Is God asking me to do something that I don't feel qualified to do? Is God asking me to do something that I don't feel qualified to do? Number two, do I trust, do I need to trust God to empower me? Ask him that. And number three, can I make myself available to God despite my shortcomings and my weaknesses? I want to pray for you right now as we close out this message. If you're in this room, I want to pray for two kinds of people. If you're in this room, if you're watching in online, and you say, two kinds of people. Number one, you say, I don't know who Jesus is, and I would like to place my faith in him. You were talking about this made in Christ. I am in the image of God, and the only way you can do that is placing your faith in Jesus. That is who Gideon's hero was. We talk about Gideon and his imperfectness. But if there's one thing that Gideon knew was that the Messiah would be the perfect Savior for his sins. And So if you're in this place and you want to place your faith in Jesus, I want to pray for you. But if you're in this place also and you're saying, listen, I am am now willing to say, God, here I am just as I am. I want you to lift up your hands at at the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, hands going up. Hands going up, hands going up, hands going up. I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. it. Put your hand right back down. I want to pray for you. If your prayer is to place faith in Jesus, just say this prayer after me. There's no prayer that saves you, none. But God says, the Bible says in Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. To the eunuch, Philip said, you must simply believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you will be saved. And if that's you, just repeat this prayer with me. This prayer doesn't save you, but what God is doing in your heart does. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I receive your love. Therefore, I give you my life. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for me and rose again on the third day. I receive your forgiveness of my sins and from this day forth I am a new creation. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person in this room that said they want to walk in their purpose, walk in their destiny, and they're going to be used by you despite their failures, their mess-ups, their hang-ups, God, that you will use them, Lord God. I pray that 2021 be a kick-off year for them, Lord Jesus, where they begin to walk in your presence, not in their preparation, not in their potential, but in your presence, oh God. In your presence, there's happiness in your presence there's purpose in your presence there's resources in your presence there's anointing oh god let them live their life in your presence in jesus name we pray amen and amen let's give god a shout of praise once again we want to thank you for tuning in subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages and if this message really blessed you pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.